0: Come
1: from, gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. from outer space. And here we go.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast from outer space. It's a beautiful night here in the city of motion, and we hope it's nice wherever you are. It's your boy, Rob Scott. We got Billy the Kid, a.k.a. the Korean Cowboy, in the studio tonight.
1: What's up, gentlemen?
2: And as always, it's Ryan Scott. Greetings far and wide. And this is episode 104, where we will be discussing the Whitley-Strieber abductions. And I gotta say, this is gonna be an interesting one, guys.
0: Yes, truth is as subjective as reality, gentlemen. That is the motto of tonight's episode. Now, I want to start this one off, guys. Um, Do me a quick favor and draw the first figure that enters your mind. Just the first shape that pops into your mind. Just draw it. Simple 2D shape. Go ahead and draw it. Now keep those hidden, turn them over, face down, and uh, we will get to that a little bit later in the outline. <laughs> but uh, oh, fuck. So this one is another, I guess we'll say, like, spin-off type episode because, you know, we previously mentioned this in our Grays episode. Episode 73, if you'd like to check that one out. And uh, the mentioning was very, very brief. And so I'm stumbling across this case again in my perusings of the interwebs late at night. And I decide, hell. That's all you do late at night? Yeah. I decide, you know, let's get into this guy. Let's, uh, this guy's a character. This guy is a massive figure in UFO lore. Uh, this case deserves its own episode. So with this episode, I want to take a look at what is seemingly one of the most chilling encounters from possible, we'll say, extraterrestrials. Although the true culprits are never fully identified, which is like a whole thing. It's a whole spiel, which, uh, you know, we'll get there as we burn this cigarette down, but it's going to take some time. Um, And you know, that's the episode. This is like, this is a tale that seems to terrify a good amount of people, especially those who discovered the book when it first came out. And I got to say, if you, if you really want to freak yourselves out, loyal Legion out there, read this book alone at night. The book is communion. Um, And there's a lot to unpack with this one. So, Let's dive right in. Now, aside from me mentioning Communion, the movie on our Gray's episode, had you guys ever heard of this case or this gentleman, Whitley Strieber, before?
2: Not until we talked about the film, and then I kind of looked into it a little bit, but I honestly didn't really give it much thought until we started doing research for this episode.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, I I never heard of him before. Um It was, you know, first I heard of him was when you mentioned it, but I did some digging and it's, it's really intriguing for sure. Can't wait to, can't wait to get into the meat.
0: Okay. Now, and and I bet if you guys, I bet if you guys haven't heard of this gentleman before, you are familiar with his work. And that goes for listeners out there too, because this gentleman co-wrote a book with Art Bell, which was, which became the basis for the day after tomorrow, the popular 2004 film which actually posits that the earth will get colder as a result of climate change so take that all you global heating idiots out there global warming (laughs) so uh you
2: know climate change
0: you guys remember the film right jake gyllenhaal this was like a big film when we were kids
2: yeah but doesn't it always heat up before it cools off isn't that kind of how the earth goes it's really I, hot, and then there's an ice age.
0: I'm not a climate guy. I don't really. I don't know. Check it out. You know, Billy. Do you have any input on that?
1: Um, wait. We're we're talking about communion?
0: No, no, no. The <laughs> the day after tomorrow or climate change?
1: Oh man, I remember seeing that like back in the day. I remember like the poster was like the the Statue of Liberty or something. Yeah, and it was. Like yeah.
0: uh, in a, in a Ice Storm or whatever, yeah. So that's based on uh, also Whitley Strieber's work. True um, story. Yeah. Now, now for those not familiar, uh, Lewis Whitley Strieber. He's uh, he's a writer first and foremost, best known for his horror novels The Wolfen and The Hunger, both of which were made into films. There is a picture of the gentleman there. And obviously, you know, he is known for his nonfiction accounts of his own alleged experiences with non human entities, which became the basis for the 1987 book Communion, later made into a film starring Christopher Walken. You know, remember our Gray's episode? We did a whole bit about like stuck a probe on my ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, because the movie is insane. If you haven't seen the movie, check it out. It's on uh, Tubi for free. Uh and it's also on Amazon for free but you have to watch ads. Okay, it's on Amazon for free as well. And the movie is just fucking insane. It's got like the special effects just wasn't there. So the like there's a scene of him being abducted and just dancing around with aliens. Very the, weird. Yeah, the whole last abduction scene is like a fucking David Lynch movie. He sees himself as Houdini. Uh honestly, you know, we need David Lynch to direct an alien movie because as I'm doing this, I, I think that being abducted by aliens, as I assume, would be like entering a David Lynch film, like you're going into a racer head or some shit. No, possibly.
1: Yeah, definitely. Actually, I was looking up some YouTube videos before the podcast, and uh, I saw this interview of him where he's talking about like his different works. And he's like, Yeah, communion. That didn't really work. <laughs> and so he, like, he was basically like, yeah, that 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 did not capture my experience in like, any way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, he says that he did not like how the film turned out, I think partly because the special effects weren't there. And he says that Walken played him as a jerk, uh, which is like, <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious because it's just, the film is just Walken- being walking he's just going around like oh whoa I, I know. like <laughs> oh what are you crying about over there yeah there's a scene where he goes to comfort his kid and he's like this is a nightmare and it's a nightmare because of night it's
2: a nightmare <laughs> it just makes no <laughs>
0: <fucking> sense Um <laughs> uh, but check the movie out if you have a chance and um just going back to the gentleman at hand so um, as we said earlier, non-human entities. I want to revisit that for a moment because that's important here. You know, he refers to the be- these beings as, quote, the visitors. Uh, and this is a name that he chose to be as uh, neutral as possible, entertaining the idea that perhaps these are not extraterrestrials. Uh, and Whitley has repeatedly expressed frustration that his experiences have been lumped in as alien contact when he does not actually know or claim to know what they were. Uh, And, you know, time and time again in interviews and on his own podcast, uh, Dreamland, he admits that he has no idea what these things were. Um, But, you know, as I I was listening to a lot of his interviews and it's kind of the whole, I guess, ancient aliens approach in that, you know, he's like, I'm not saying it was aliens. (laughs) Come on. That would be crazy. Crazy. But it was something that came to this planet, not from this planet. So it's like he's basically just putting that in the reader's head that yes, it was aliens. You know, it's like I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens, like Sukulos. You know, he like doesn't want to
2: sound crazy telling this crazy story.
0: I and I the guess fact
2: that they're not aliens makes it better.
0: Well, I I don't know. I mean, like I said, there's a lot to unpack, and it is Yeah, but
2: I feel like he also, I mean, sorry if if I'm jumping ahead, but I feel like he also has, like, some, like, vendetta against the government, and he thinks that it's, like, Mm. some government, like, fucking henchman coming after him type shit.
0: Yeah, I don't know if he gets too deep into that hole. I know he does say he thinks it's a possibility that there could be like government agencies involved in whatever this phenomenon is. Um, but it is kind of a mind fuck because he goes on coast to coast, uh, which is where I listened to a lot of his old interviews and he's basically like leaning into the whole ideas of greys. I think he even wrote a book called the greys. So it's like, which is it Whitley? Was it, you have no idea or it was greys, you know? Well,
2: didn't he say there's, like, multiple different beings that he encountered? It wasn't just, like, one type. It was, like, three different types, right?
0: Yeah, I think four different types. But And, and I'm not discrediting the guy right off the bat here. I'm just floating some ideas out there. You know, we got to look at this thing from all angles. We got to rotate the object, you know?
1: But saying it's from... It's not from this planet, it's from another planet. I mean, that's literally saying it's aliens.
0: But yeah, I mean, that was just an example. Like he doesn't ever I don't think say it's not from this planet, but it it came here. Like yeah, I don't think he ever says it's from another planet, but he just says there's something here, you know? It could got be, you. I guess, okay. from this planet. But um and speaking of all this, I got to say I've really been sort of, I guess, uh freaking myself out with this stuff because Okay, guys, I start, I look at the case, I buy the book, I start reading the book, and I'm thinking, you know, how scary, like, how scary can this thing be? This isn't going to freak me out, this isn't going to scare me. Um, I was alone um, for a good four days doing the research, reading this book by myself, um, and I got to say, it did kind of freak me out, because I would read the book alone at night, Uh, I started, I did start developing like this weird sleep cycle where I have been waking up every night at about 2am on the dot. And I don't know what, I don't know what the deal is with that. I've also been doing these meditations where I'm basically trying to get abducted guys. Um, you know, perfect time, you know? Yeah. Sadly, I haven't got abducted. We'll get into Yeah, We'll get into this whole thing. Uh, because I'm trying to get abducted. I've been doing these uh, You want
2: a small creature to come in your room and stick stuff up your ass?
0: Oh I'm not stick stuff up my ass, but you know there's well, a probe. So happened to uh, this guy? Yeah. I've been Maybe doing these, draw some blood. I've been doing you know. like uh Gonsfield tests where you, you know, stare into like diffused light and just kind of do the white noise to, to <sighs> further Christ, my meditation. Again? Yeah. And Putting I've been ping
2: pong balls over your eyes again.
0: Yeah. Well I actually got like a Gonsfield mask. Um and then I've been <laughs> Where do you buy that? On Amazon, dude, and then I've been of slamming E and J and Red Bull, and That's watching um, the Sopranos. I've been rewatching the Sopranos. Oh, <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't know. Hey, any nicotine uh, thrown in there?
0: Yeah, and I just got to say, my mental psyche—I don't—I don't know if it's all—it's—it's it, it's being damaged, guys. Probably um, right from the E and J and Red Bull. Now, let's first look at abductions in general, uh, because. You know, reports of the abduction phenomenon, we'll call it, have been made all around the world. You know, it's no secret. Um, The Antonio Villas-Boas case from Brazil. uh, This was in 1957. We mentioned this in our sexual aliens episode. Episode number 42, if you'd like to give that a listen. And also the Betty and Barney Hill abduction from the United States. This was in 1961. We also talk about this in our Grays episode, but that will also likely get a full episode. Um, but those are regarded as the first cases of, I guess, UFO, UFO abduction to gain widespread attention. Uh, others argue that these are more or less the first canonical cases, um, Which, like, abduction case... They they sort of established a template that would become the norm for abduction cases that would follow. Um, Because, I guess, if you want to get technical, there's cases of abduction going back to 1897. And even some people note similarities with, like, fairy folklore. Uh, I think we talked about this on some other episodes. Uh, jock Fillet is a big proponent of this. Uh, Possible connection you know big fairy guy (laughs) yeah now claims of ufo abduction seemed to hit a mega surge in the mid-1970s and by the 1980s serious research i.e. academics scholars along with the mainstream media were giving attention to this subject Uh, i think whitley striber was on larry king at one point um so you know this was uh this was no joke guys And uh, of these academics, John Mack, who is a Harvard psychology professor, remains probably the most esteemed or accredited scholar to have studied the subject. Um, And what he says about the whole phenomenon is, quote, I would never say,
2: yes, there are aliens taking people, but I would say there's a compelling, powerful phenomenon here, and I can't account for it in any other way. That's mysterious. Yet, I can't know what it is, but it seems to me that it invites a deeper, further inquiry.
0: Now, Mack argued that uh, the abduction phenomenon might be the beginning of a major paradigm shift in human consciousness, or a kind of fourth blow to our collective ego, following those of Copernicus, Darwin, and Freud, which Copernicus proved the sun was the center uh, Darwin's theory on evolution and then Freud pretty much invented uh, psychoanalysis. Psycho. <laughs> yeah, so um, now since then, abduction cases have uh, had a steady decline and are definitely much less popular in mainstream media. Uh, skeptic Michael Shermer proposed that the popularity of camera phones increases the burden of evidence for these claims and could be a cause for their decline. Now, what are we thinking, I guess, about, like, abductions in general? Where do you guys stand? What could be going on here, you know, with the original spike, decline, this whole paradigm shift that John Mack's talking about? I mean, uh, what, what are you guys thinking here?
1: I'm not going to completely write it off that, you know, aliens came down and abducted people. Um, but at the same time, I think taking a look at, Um, you know, psychoanalysis and what, you know, we're going to kind of dive a little bit into in a bit. um, The, the recessive hypnosis, I believe.
0: Yeah. Regressive. I think it's regression hypnosis.
1: Regressive. Yeah. Regression hypnosis. Um, You know, Whitley Strieber, and we'll, we'll get into this soon, but, but he actually didn't remember, you know, the, the, uh, the abduction after it happened. And for, for a while, a long while and then when you know underwent this type of therapy and remembered it all so i think there's an aspect of of psychology that can go into this and maybe people see things in certain states of mind that they think are absolutely real okay are they real not sure but
2: okay yeah i mean i definitely think that both are a possibility like obviously people can have sleep paralysis and see things or Uh be in like a certain sleep state and see things or be fucking tripping their balls off and like see God or whatever Mm -hmm. might happen. But I mean, I think there's enough evidence out there to suggest that abductions have likely happened before, but in this specific case, I'm not sure if I, if I'm, uh, Picking up the breadcrumbs, old Whitley's is laying down.
0: Okay. And anything like, what are we thinking about the spike? Like they hit a spike in the seventies. Do we think that's purely well, like a hype train of like, Hey, let me try to
2: just like in like pretty much every case that we've discussed, whether it's a UFO sighting an abduction, you know, fucking Mothman, whatever cryptid mm-hmm. that we've talked about it's always one story kind of surfaces and then all of a sudden there's like 300 people that saw the same thing so i think that could probably account for a majority of it but i think there's just too many like variations in stories as far as abductions go that i mean I, i would believe that it's something that happens or has happened to people before okay or is currently happening for all we know
0: Okay, or it could be like, uh, do you guys remember that like Netflix thing where some chick got like molested, and or her whole family got like molested, and the guy would like tell them they were being abducted by aliens, and basically like boof them? Did you know did not about? see
2: that one. It's no, called, I think it's like I have no
0: ab- idea abducted what that is. in plain sight. You guys never saw that? Did not.
1: No, that that yeah okay no the neighbor like that befriended the family with the little girl and And he was like (laughs) being like super nice and they're (laughs) like he was like yo can i take her on a vacation like just me and the girl like it's fine you know yeah and like her parents trusted him enough to to like let her go and and yeah and he like convinced
0: her she was being abducted by aliens but then he also like got the dad to like blow him in his truck and was like (laughs) this guy was insane yeah but i I think some of the abduction cases could be like that. Like it could be some traumatic event that people have had happen where they build up this mental screen of like, Oh, I was abducted by aliens. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think it is like we kind of said, I think we're all in agreement that there definitely can, could be legitimate cases. Um, but it's not like we should just, um,
1: believe all of them. Right. Yeah, definitely not. Okay. Now, Gotta have a skeptical ear yeah for a lot of this
0: okay okay um now a little precursor uh before we get into the tale of tonight um, as we said you know it's it's no secret ufo abduction cases are a thing it's not like whitley invented this idea of missing time alien probing medical exams or false memories uh that sort of thing uh and as we just saw This became a major topic around this time. So, sure, it's as we said, there's probably people riding the hype train, but there were probably people who had some genuine experiences, whatever those may be, if it is something purely in the mind or if it is a physical entity coming down here. Um, Now, this one to me is interesting because let's think about it this way. Your average Joe gets abducted, Uh, you know, some, some guy out in the boonies probably can't describe it as well as somebody like Whitley. Uh, you know, they say that this guy was like on track to be the next Stephen King. Uh, his, his first novel in 78, Wolfen, uh, was like a werewolf realism novel. This was turned into a movie by the same filmmaker who did Woodstock. And in 83, his sex vampire thriller, The Hunger, was adapted into a movie starring David Bowie and Susan Sarandon, directed by Tony Scott, who later went on to direct Top Gun. Um, but it is debated. Um, like, he had, I guess, fictional novels like Black Magic and the Night Church before Communion that didn't sell as well. Um, so some people say, you know, struggling uh, writer who decided to, like, switch to uh, this new genre of... of uh, nonfiction but i'd say if his first two novels were adapted into films he has an apartment in new york city a cabin in upstate new york with a modern alarm system probably not like a struggling writer right yeah that's um, true. and you know this guy is a good writer nonetheless so you have this gentleman who who allegedly had some type of encounter Uh, He also has the ability to describe his tale in great detail, which this has a massive appeal to the general public. And, you know, maybe that's where the line blurs. You know, you have this marketable, successful guy. He's got some type of encounter. Maybe his publisher or his agent is like, hey, this is an opportunity, kind of pushes his memoir into this realm of aliens. And then we get the kind of snowball effect from there.
2: Yeah, because he continued writing books after that that were similar in basis,
0: right? Correct. Um, he kind of from communion just went full on into the whole UFO subculture. Um, but you know, before these specific encounters, uh, he basically thought UFO believers were idiots. Uh, you know, he, he wouldn't even think of that as a possibility. Um, but now he, he kind of seems to have gone more and more, as we said, into the UFO subculture. Uh, and from what I gathered on his coast to coast interviews, I guess he thinks that the Gray's agenda are sort of like the Eternals. You guys see that Marvel film?
1: I'm not. I've yeah, I haven't seen that one.
0: Uh, it's pretty bad. I wouldn't suggest watching it. Um, Much like Communion. <laughs> yeah, I'd say Communion is better than Eternals. Um, but I guess his his whole thing with the Grays are like they had something to do with the human race, and they're sort of just observing us and like interacting with us, not not trying to like. You know, go Come
2: take over the world. Yeah. Or,
0: or like, you know, contact the president and form a treaty. Um, you know. Um maybe they already have. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, it's as we were saying earlier, to me, uh, he seems to be really leaning into the whole idea of Grays. And maybe he just thinks that this is the best explanation he's been able to like rack his brain around. Um but he goes he goes back and forth, uh, from like, you know, Grays to who he has no idea what this was. Um and, and overall, he does in fact think there is something going on here, there is some type of entity here on earth, or perhaps a product of the mind, as we said. Now, let's hear the tale, and then we can, we can sort of unpack this, get further into this. So uh, let's get into the 1985 mindset, boys. Um, and you know, honestly, our world is pretty much 1985 already. We got Kate Bush number one on the radio we're in a proxy war with russia and top gun is number one new film <laughs> you know so it's basically 1985 you know um, i mean
1: with kate bush being like viral uh, on stranger things <laughs> yeah it is 1985 again
0: so just close
2: man, your we eyes have an old dumbass as a president
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, so, <laughs> yeah so the year is 1985 ronnie reagan was president of the united states Uh, Coca-Cola changes its formula and releases new Coke. Mikhail Gorbachev becomes the de facto leader of the Soviet Union. Super Mario Brothers is released for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, DNA was used in a criminal case for the first time ever. And Lana Del Rey and Nipsey Hussle were born. Uh, Separate days and separate parents, of course. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There's actually Great a artists. lot. Of, there was a lot of famous people born in 1984, but uh, I, I just thought those two, you know, kind of stood out to me. Um, now let's get into this incident because, and this is mostly from my memory of reading the book. Uh, but if if you, the listener out there, if you guys want a really detailed account, check out Communion. Um, it's a pretty quick read, very well written, uh, a pretty haunting tale at some at some points. Find yourself waking up at 2 a.m. about to get abducted. (laughs) Yeah, really creep yourself out. Read it at night. Um, Now, I'll take you guys in order because the book, he kind of jumps around between cases um, that he doesn't realize their significance of other events until it all sort of clicks, like, I guess, uh, Butterfly Effect, the film with Ashton Kutcher, or Pulp Fiction, you know? Um, October 4th, 1985. Uh, Whitley goes up to his cabin in upstate New York, pretty isolated area. Uh, he's up there with his wife and son, uh, his homie and his homie's wife. Now he has this bizarre dream, uh, as like, this is what he thinks it is at first. Um, so he has this bizarre dream that there is a blue light shining on the ceiling and the way his cabin is set up, um, it's like a big cathedral ceiling uh, and a window at the top. So it would have had to be some massive structure outside. It's not facing the road. Uh, he thought it was a fire, but he goes back to sleep. Uh, and then he wakes up.
2: Okay, something's on fire outside. Go back to sleep.
0: I said, pause, dude. Now, he wakes up later to a big bang. And here's his boy screaming. He thinks, what the fuck? The place is on fire. I fell back asleep. I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, He tells his wife the place is on fire. He goes to get his boy. Um, He realizes there's no fire. His buddy's stumbling around in the hall. Uh, He tells him, go back to sleep. Puts his boy back to bed. Uh, He writes this whole thing off as like perhaps some bizarre sort of hypnagogic episode. You know? now i think the fire like why he went back to sleep he says he felt like he was in you know like a trance like he wanted to get up but it was just like ah eh, fuck it i guess you know fire fuck it um but yeah i mean what are we thinking Cabin's he ra- on fire go right back to sleep i mean you have you guys ever had like you know where you're in that half wake sleep and you think something crazy's happened but you're just like whatever too lazy to get up yeah, yeah or too so. tired
1: you know yeah but if if i thought there was a fire going on in my apartment i'd probably wake up and like look for the nearest escape
0: well as i Birk. said he says he felt that he was in some sort of trance um but this is his experience oh, nonetheless true. but i w- i mean this is not out of the realm of possibility to have this be some like hypnagogic episode right it's true i mean i've possibly. had possibly i've had sleep paralysis a couple times and it's pretty creepy like Yikes. You know, where you're trying to get up, but you can't. Maybe it was something like that. Now, after this, he kind of becomes uh, a little bit paranoid. You know, he'll wake up thinking something's wrong. He gets the feeling that people are creeping around his house. Um, he's constantly checking rooms, checking closets, that sort of thing. And this is like for for months, I guess, that, that this is happening, that he's doing this. Smoking too much weed. This behavior. Yeah, he's smoking <laughs> way too much weed. Um And he also, I guess, that night in his dream, he had this strange, vivid vision of a giant crystal towering over his cabin. Now, that's awesome. I've also been getting a little bit into crystals, you know? Finally. (laughs) Yeah, I I think we need to to dive into some more, like, crystal lore episodes. Okay. Um, Okay. Now, fast forward a few months. Uh, He's back at the cabin in upstate New York. Uh, This is the evening of December 26th, 1985. Now, Whitley, this time it's just Whitley, his wife and son. Um, And as we said, he had become somewhat paranoid of potential intruders. Uh, And I think even before this, he was always sort of a cautious guy, you know, if he's this well-known writer. Uh, So he recently installed a high-tech alarm system at the cabin. And also, I'm thinking 1984, these systems were probably still pretty new, but becoming affordable to be like widely available but probably still like state-of-the-art you know burglar system Um, now at approximately 11 p.m on the 26th of december he activated the system and the family called it a night everyone goes to bed after a couple hours he was awakened by an unusual sound he could hear a peculiar whooshing or swirling noise coming from the living room downstairs uh, it resembled the sound of a large number of people moving rapidly around the room. Strangely, again, he settled back in bed uh, without bothering to investigate. Again, he just like with the fire, he says that he was in some sort of like a trance state. Now, as soon as he did this, he noticed one of the double doors leading into his bedroom, slowly moving closed as if someone was concealing themselves behind it. He sat up, extremely frightened, uh, and then he saw a short figure edging around the door. In the ambient light, he could make out the faint outline of whatever this figure was, but he could not make out this figure's face. As he got close to the bed, Whitley could see two dark holes for eyes and a black downturning line for a mouth. It seemed to be wearing some sort of armored vest, and beneath it was a rectangular object of the same type which covered the lower waist to just above the knees. The next thing he knew, the figure rushed at him. At this point, he blacked out. His next recollection is of seeing numerous short beings wearing blue coveralls entering the bedroom. Like some minions? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) coveralls. (laughs) So he then felt that he was in motion, like being carried, naked in a state of total paralysis. He blacks out again. Now his next memory was sitting in a small depression in the woods. He sat on the cold ground with his legs partially bent and his hands in his lap as if he was in some sort of recliner. At this point, Whitley felt as if he was unable to move and was under control by the entities. On his right, there was a figure apparently working busy at something on his head. The being wore blue, dark blue coveralls, and there was a distinct impression that the being was feminine and was almost explaining something very fast. Now suddenly he noticed the ground begin to corkscrew as he shot up into the sky and caught a glimpse of the treetop shrinking below him. He described this as being on a fast-moving elevator shooting straight up. His next memory was of sitting in a messy room that had a distinct odor resembling aged cheddar cheese.
1: That's gross.
0: (laughs) The small circular room had a domed grayish tan ceiling. Now there was some clothing thrown about the room and there, it, was a stuffy with, it was stuffy with a dry air. All around him, small figures were moving at a very high speed. Whitley noticed a type of lens at the point of the ceiling through which colorful scenery could be observed. One being was on his right, another on his left, and soon he was shown a tiny gray box with a sliding lid a thin graceful person that was not distinct in appearance was holding it next a short figure came before him crouching as if huddled over something he now held the box and had slid it open revealing an extremely shiny hair thin needle mounted on a black surface whitley was terrified as these entities told him that they were going to insert this into his brain and he began screaming one of the creatures then asked him
2: What can we do to help you stop screaming?
0: Whitley replied that he wanted to smell them. The being agreed and held its hand against Whitley's face. He reported that it smelled like cardboard and cinnamon. Now, I guess his reasoning behind this was he said that if he could just smell something, he would know if this was a physical experience or not. Now, the next thing he knew, there was a bang (laughs) towards the back of his head like a mini thunderclap in a flash, and he realized they had inserted the needle into his head. From here, he was taken to another room where he saw a table in the center, benches, and several huddled figures, some with round instead of slanted eyes, and he recalled seeing four different types of beings. A small, robot-like being that had initially entered his bedroom, a group of short, stocky ones in dark blue coveralls. These had wide faces, either dark or gray, Uh, either dark gray or blue skin with glittering deep set eyes, pug noses and broad human like mouths. Another type was five feet tall, very slender and delicate with extremely prominent and mesmerizing black slanted eyes described as having almost vestigial mouth and nose. The huddled figures were smaller with similarly shaped heads, but round black eyes in this room. Whitley had a probe stuck up his ass by one of the short, stocky creatures that used a narrow, triangular object which seemed like it was alive. They showed him after pulling it out of his ass. Uh, Then one of them took his right hand and made an incision above his index finger. Abruptly, his memories ended, and he woke up the next morning in bed. So now, what are we thinking
2: here? I mean, that all sounds pretty fucking terrifying. Putting a needle in your head, sticking some yeah fucking creature up your ass,
1: <laughs> creature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I That's mean, you said it wow. seemed like it was alive. That's
0: what he said. I mean, you were a watch up his
1: ass. It's just it's. <laughs> well, what's crazy, Ryan, is like, I mean, it's so vivid. It's so descriptive. It's like. Right. Then again, the guy's like some successful like writer, like you know what I mean, <laughs> as a professional yeah, fiction like, writer. Well,
0: see, that's what I was kind of saying at the beginning. Like, if if like this happened to someone who's not a writer, like a farmer or something, they're not going to be able to describe it in the great detail that Whitley is. Like, it just so like it could be that it just so happens. It happened to Whitley and he's able to write it this vividly.
1: Correct. Or it could be that he's just extremely imaginative because he's a writer. Like, I don't know.
0: So now this, I guess we'll say is the big one. We'll call it, uh, you know, from here, he starts feeling very uneasy. Um, he's waking up in cold sweats with the feeling that he'd been tossing and turning all night, or he was beaten up in his sleep. Uh, he became depressed his marriage was suffering. His rel- his relationship with his son is growing strained. Uh, the whole this whole thing has started taking a massive toll on his life. Uh, he had no idea what's going on. He in one of his interviews, he thought he had been raped in the woods. Sounds and, like he did. <laughs> and this was some sort of like mental screen that he had built up, just like the I guess Netflix thing we we're talking about. Um, now, after this experience. He did end up reading a book, uh, Science and the UFOs that he had been given, <clears throat> as we said, wasn't a big UFO guy before this. Uh, and in it was an abduction story that just kind of made everything click for him. you know He revisited the night from October. he starts getting very freaked out. Uh, he needed to get to the bottom of this. so he stops reading about aliens so that he doesn't convince himself. And he decides to undergo regressive hypnosis by Dr. Donald F. Klein. Now, he specifically sought out this doctor who was indifferent to the whole UFO thing. He didn't just want to go to somebody that would, I guess, give him a confirmation bias. Or Sounds like you're abducted. (laughs) Yeah, or, you know, like leading the witness, I guess, right? Like he didn't want to go to a guy that, like he's not going to go to fucking Giorgio Succolos. And be like, hey, this is what happened to me. Of course, he's going to go, this was aliens, Whitley. You know? <laughs>
2: I'm not saying it was aliens. But, <laughs> but
0: it was aliens. Now, <laughs> when it comes to, like, regressive hypnosis, do we, do you guys have any thoughts on, I guess, hypnotic regression or this recovered memory therapy? Or I guess hypnosis in general?
1: I do have, um, I don't know if this would count. I mean, I guess it technically is a type of hy- hypnosis. But dep- uh sensory deprivation chambers you know because I've, I've heard a lot of crazy stuff about people experiencing like out-of-body experiences with like other entities like types of entities and, and things like yeah. that and um, i guess it's
0: like kind of um billy and i were talking about this earlier like it is uh you know sensory deprivation is just sort of like a deep meditation um which is a bit more personal where i think like hypnotic regression is more like kind of going to a therapist who uh you know it's the whole office space uh (laughs) one deeper and deeper like you know he's doing the regression on you he's walking you through the night and you're explaining what you see um but i guess you know this is kind of like a, a pseudoscience or i guess like it goes against mainstream science because like hypnosis in general i mean uh, we were talking about this. Do you, have you ever been hypnotized, Rob? I have not. Do you know anybody who has, or like, would you? Uh, yeah, I've talked
2: to people that have done it before. I've talked to people that have done it before.
0: And you trust them like to believe that it yeah. is a legitimate thing. So like you would believe in, I guess, like, uh, we, we should be hypnotized. We should like find a uh, group therapy. <laughs> yeah. I need I need to go to this. Uh, I need to figure out what's been happening to me at 2am. Um,
2: Hopefully you didn't get raped in the woods.
0: Yeah. But no, I guess this is like (laughs) a whole, I don't know. I think there is like uh, problematic issues with this sort of stuff in general. Um, But, you know, that's neither here nor there. He went to this guy. He's an actual doctor who's doing the stuff. Um, And he goes through this regression hypnosis and he... So they put him in the regression hypnosis and he describes the, these images of being in this room and um, they're walking through this, this abduction case. And when he goes through like the light up needle wand being uh, put into his head, he says there was like a flash of apocalyptic images. Uh, he also saw images of his dead son and he got images of his father's death but in a much more horrendous way than what he was told by his mother and also in these sessions he would be present in these encounters these abduction encounters and then all of a sudden like flash back to some place in his childhood uh, and in the book i guess this apparently is common if you if you've seen something before and then you saw it in the most recent encounter. It's common to kind of like flash back to the first time you saw this.
2: So um, it's like a suppressed memory, basically.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. So um, now with the whole, I guess, flashes of these images and the needle in his head, he concludes that this is almost like these visitors, these entities, whatever they are, um, were either extracting his fears or tapping into his deepest fears or possibly showing him what will become of the world if we do not change. He's a big uh, like climate guy, and he was back then. So it's like the aliens are putting that little uh, Gre- Greta Thornberry chick in his head saying, How dare you? I should be in school, but I am speaking about climate. You know, what I'm talking Thornberry. About?
1: <laughs> Isn't that her name? Thornberry. Yeah. Oh,
0: Thornberry. Greta, Greta Thornberry. <laughs> Greta Thornberry.
1: Oh my Greta! Th- yeah, Nobody. she's like flying on private jets, talking about like, you know. Yeah, but she's
0: probably an alien, dude. Putting they're putting. She kind of <laughs> looks her like an Elon it. Musk.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it.
0: Go ahead it, and say though. it. She looks like you an alien, it. dude. Um, no. Kind of. But I guess that's where he's getting with what these aliens were doing now. Um, I don't know. Do we want to get in? Do we have any other, I guess, thoughts on this specific abduction tale? Because we'll get into the rest of Whitley's, uh, shenanigans, but this is like pretty much the one that put him on the map. This is what he opens the book with. What are we thinking about this tale?
1: Uh, I just think like, if, it, it, if like his whole belief is that, you know, They're they're planting the seed to like like change like human uh, evolution to like not destroy the planet. What he's saying is these aliens just like randomly pick people, shove something up their ass, give them nightmares about like the world burning, and then being like spread the
0: news. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) but I mean, we don't know that that's what their agenda is. You know, this could just be some weird. it's It's just a one off. Maybe. I don't know. I do... I oh, Okay, I'm torn because I do think that this experience was genuine. Like, he... When he tells the tale in some of his interviews, like, he it, You can tell he's pretty, like, traumatized by whatever this was. It's like we said, he thought he had been raped by some guy in the woods. Uh, he goes to regressive hypnosis, and this is what comes out. That's it's like we said, if he was on track to be this, like, Stephen King writer, why would he all of a sudden pivot into this uh, I guess, subculture, which we have to also remember. this was eighty seven. It's not like UFOs now where you got all these documentaries on History Channel. We got Tom Delong meeting with the generals and Dear General. And, yeah, like this wasn't big. Like people were straight up ridiculed the lies ruined for coming out. Like people were embarrassed about this. He says he was embarrassed, like, To come to his wife, this was straining his marriage, this was ruining his life. Like, why would he, all this, like, we think he just did this as a gimmick? (laughs) Okay, well,
2: just rewinding to what we started off with and basing off the movie that I partially watched the other night, Communion. Uh This, like, take into account, all right, this guy's written, what, four books before Communion? Yeah, four or five, two of which were massively successful, turned into movies, making him probably a millionaire.
0: um I don't know a million. Close. I know that it, like he got a. Okay, well, he's got a fucking
2: house in New York City and, and a cabin, and a cabin in the woods with so, an alarm system. Yeah, so he's doing pretty well. Yeah, so just like the skeptic in me is saying, maybe this guy is just putting himself under so much like stress and pressure. And he's, like, obviously having trouble sleeping and shit. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just, like, freaking himself out, you know?
0: Okay, so maybe this is a boil-up, I mean, I'm like- not trying
2: to discredit the guy. Like, no offense, Whitley. But it just seems like all the... Like, when you take a look at all the other factors that are playing into this, it just is seems a little, a little far-fetched to me.
0: What, so you're thinking this was a stressor that bubbled up as this experience and that's what he's... Yeah, you know, maybe, you know, he's having trouble with the wife, like you
2: said. He's having tr- trouble getting on track to write his next novel and then all of a sudden all this, like, crazy shit starts happening. And he says, And he's like, hey, fuck it, I'll write a book about this.
0: And he says, Anne, come on, I was raped by aliens. It's like a problem up my ass.
1: <laughs> yeah, or he's like, this is an incredible idea. And I can capitalize the fuck off of it. Like getting a number one New York Times bestseller.
0: Well, because, like. But again, do,
1: the we, movie, know that, like, do we know that he's, like, fucking
2: recording
0: himself on video? Yeah, and stuff. but again, like, that's is like. that real? No, no. that's... The movie is just based off of the book. It's not like. Uh, that wasn't realistic in any way i don't think i mean you know how movies are that are based off of like biopics and shit they all fucking talking to them all wrong it's the wrong tone they all fucking muck up the truth you know but i'm saying like do it again i'll stab you in the ass with a probe do you think he knew okay this this abduction shit's gonna be big and why and how would he even have the foresight to think hey fucking you know 20, 30 years from now, Tom DeLong's going to be going on History Channel. I'm going to be famous <laughs> or die. You know, like, is that.
2: No, I'm not saying, like, well, he's a, he was a horror writer. I'm not writer, saying he's a genius, though. but I'm just saying, like, the guy has, like, these massively successful, like, horror stories. And then, so maybe this is, like, some proto Blair Witch type or, shit. Or no, like, just, maybe
0: he was like, let me spin this as real. I'm going to write a terrifying, uh, this abduction thing is it, a spike. I'm going to write a terrifying tale and try to capitalize off it. Maybe that, well,
1: yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of my angle, but Rob, sorry, no, go good. ahead.
2: I, I was just thinking maybe through the stress and the pressures and everything of his everyday life, something traumatic happened to him where maybe he was in a sleep paralysis type state and saw some weird shit. And then, you know, next day he's wakes up and he's like, I gotta write this shit down.
0: Okay. All right. So if the experience was real, maybe it wasn't physically real. Yeah. So mind, a product of the mind.
2: Yeah, and then he's so good with words that he's able to kind of like...
0: Really sell it.
2: You know, relish it up. Fucking (laughs) polish the turd and sell it.
0: Okay. All right. Okay, that's fair. That's fair.
1: Yeah, that's feasible for sure.
0: All right. Now, getting into some logical explanations. So... As we said, he goes to this doctor who's pretty indifferent to UFOs. Um, now, the recounting of these like bizarre facts caused Dr. Klein to suggest that it was possible that this was a result of temporal lobe epilepsy. Um, this is a condition that can cause one to have vivid hallucinations, uh, and sense of smell is also affected by this. Now, Whitley says that he took several tests and scans for any sign of temporal lobe epilepsy and other diseases, and there was nothing wrong with him at all. Said the only thing is that the uh, psychological tests showed a lot of stress, which is consistent with the experiences he was having, but the physical tests were fine. There's no sign of neurosis or psychosis uh, or anything in the psychological tests. Uh, And Klein, Dr. Klein, even writes a statement saying as much in the closing of the book um now this is verified i would assume because as um, i'm just saying if if the
2: tests were showing like this guy's a fucking crazy psychopath he's not going to be like well guys went to the doctor and uh I've been having some hallucinations.
0: Yeah, but see, this is what I was talking... <laughs> it's not really going to help him sell yeah. books. <laughs> this is what I was talking with Billy about because Communion was a nonfiction bestseller for six months in 1987. It was, it was put out through a, a legit publisher. Now, publishers have... I would assume people to bill their folks... There's probably a process to bill a book as nonfiction, you know? This guy can't just be like, hey, I was abducted by aliens, did all these tests with the doctor. Boom, that's the fact. They don't just go off his word. I would assume that the publisher had to do some fact-checking into, like, the doctor's word to get this thing put out as nonfiction, you know? And to kind of check the facts of this thing. Fact-checking, 1985.
1: 1987. Yeah, but my whole thing is how do you fact check that besides the physical tests and that showing he's not suffering from some, you know, mental thing.
0: Yeah. I would think mostly the fact checking is like Rob was saying, is it verified the doctor made this statement, which I would assume they went to the doctor. Uh, you know, he's putting his name in the book. He's putting his word in the book. So it's not like, uh, Whitley could just make this shit up. You know, he can't just say Dr. Klein. And then you like his publisher finds out there's no Dr. Klein like anywhere in the state. Um, Dr. Pepper. (laughs) Yeah, you know, (laughs) I would assume they had to do some sort of fact checking to prove like, hey, you really went to this doctor, did these tests, did the like MRI and the scans on your brain to prove that you're not a fucking insane whack job.
1: Exactly. It's like, oh, congratulations. You're not crazy. Maybe we can believe you. Maybe. Yes.
0: Now, neurologist uh, Stephen Novella, he says that the details of Whitley's tale waking up seemingly paralyzed fits the description the description of hypnagogia. Uh, so this is a fair fairly common neurological phenomenon that has been mistaken by some for an intervention by demons, aliens, what have you. Uh, basically, as we were saying, sleep paralysis. Because uh, I was looking up hypnagogia. This is the transitional state of consciousness between wakefulness and sleep. So it's as you're falling asleep, not the other way around. Um, and it's common to experience involuntary imagined experiences. Hallucinations can appear in the form of sights, sounds, or even feelings of movement. Uh, muscle jerks. You know, we've all had that feeling that we're falling or stumbled as we're falling asleep. Um, you know, sleep paralysis, lucid dreams are also common during the hypnagogic phase. Uh, and also, some of the world's smartest minds attempt to purposely induce hypnagogia to tap into their creative creativity, including, but not limited to, Thomas Edison, Edgar Allan Poe, and Salvador Dali. Uh, Dali actually used to nap with a steel ball or a big metal key in his hand so that he would wake up when the the ball hit the ground and he would have these like vivid uh hallucinations which is where he got a lot of ideas for his paintings his clock was melting yes <laughs> the clocks were melting everywhere guys oh, uh, uh, so he, was in the, he
2: was in the desert the clock was melting he's
0: spanish right yes what's a spain accent these clocks are melting <laughs> no that's definitely not <laughs> can, you good, French? can you do a good spain i can't these clocks are melting
1: I, Dude, i cannot actually uh the dude from no country from old men um
0: javier bardem
1: yeah yeah, yeah. he's spain he's from spain so his accent
0: we are going to flip a that. coin and the clocks <laughs> will go. be melting <laughs> uh, so, okay so um But yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. And also uh, writer Franz Kafka experienced um, dreamlike dreamlike hypnagogic hallucinations when writing in a sleep-deprived state. Now, I thought this was interesting because Whitley specifically cites Kafka in the book as a huge inspiration. He, He described a summer when he found out about Kafka. You guys ever read Kafka? It's real fucking weird. I have not. You know, have you ever heard the term? It's very Kafka-esque. Yeah. That's where that comes from. It's uh, a guy's got some real weird shit. Um,
2: Yeah, he's half asleep.
0: Yeah, but I thought that was interesting that Whitley cites this, and this is one of our logical explanations, so possible connection there. Uh, I was also reading that MIT has developed a machine to induce hypnagogia more successfully, sort of like those machines in Inception or some shit,
2: Okay. Uh,
0: which I'd like to get my hands on one of those. You know, real tap, really tap into my dreams and shit.
2: Make sure you um, uh, bring your spinning top.
0: <laughs>
1: so Don't what watch are we any think- horror movies before you tap in.
0: <laughs> what are we thinking about like these logical explanations? Um, you know, the epilepsy, some sort of psychosis or this hypnagogia.
1: I think the sleep paralysis uh, is a super interesting concept for this because You know, kind of goes back to, like, what Rob was saying. Like, maybe he was going through all these, like, crazy struggles and and hardship, and his mind was kind of, like, thrust into this depressive energy, and he somehow started suffering from sleep paralysis or that type of hypnagogic state and Mm. started seeing all this stuff and then wrote a book from it. I mean, I feel like that is probably... very good explanation a pretty good explanation for sure okay
0: yeah um yeah because i was thinking that as well the one thing i don't know the one thing that's kind of weird if we want to talk about the hypnagogia stuff is that he writes in the book he verified like that first night where he thought the the place was on fire and he found his buddy stumbling like his buddy and his buddy's wife also had like a weird experience of like a really bright light. They said it was like day. And his son also said that he had a nightmare where little doctors were taking him out on the back deck. So if we're going hypnagogia, possible that all of these people experienced some sort of like shared hypnagogic state.
2: What were they drinking?
0: <laughs> <It's> upstate <laughs> New York water. It's like cabin fever. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that's kind of odd, you know, that might poke a hole in that, or I don't know if that's really out of the realm of possibility. Cause the dude that wrote, um, nightmare on Elm street, that was based off of like all of these immigrants. Yeah. Uh, well, did he write it? I know he directed, but, <laughs> he directed. but, uh, he might've written it, but it was based off of like all of these, I guess, immigrants, um, that were staying at this one place kept having like the same nightmare and they all described the same thing, like a shared dream, which Claw is get, man <laughs> Call man. Yeah. Uh, so is that out of the realm of possibility? I don't know.
1: I think, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but that does poke a hole. They're drink
0: drinking the Kool-Aid that night. Huh? They're all drinking the Kool-Aid that night. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was also thinking like, if we're talking abductions, uh, It does. It is a little odd that a lot of abductions seem to happen at night. You know, as people are in their beds, are safe and sound, like falling asleep. You have these abductions. Uh, But then I'm thinking, you know, what about the... Isn't there a lot of people who explain, like, missing time in cars? Like, they were driving somewhere and they have, like, hours of missing time. Like, what the fuck happened to the car? The aliens abducted everything? Maybe. Maybe. And then I'm thinking, even off of that... Why aren't more people abducted in uh, prisons? Like, if you were an alien, a prison would be a fucking perfect place to come do tests on people.
2: Maybe they are. We just don't know about it. Well,
0: I was looking up prison abduction cases. I couldn't really find many.
1: I think they're going to. I mean, if it's like a maximum security.
0: (laughs) Aliens can't get in?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. It's harder to infiltrate.
0: I don't know. I'm just saying it is a, a bit odd that a lot of abduction cases happen like in the middle of nowhere to a guy that's sleeping. Right? Usually, yeah. I mean that would align with the hypnagogia stuff, correct? Correct. Okay.
2: Correct Amundo.
0: Now, conclusions um in the book. So in the book, he basically goes on to talk about how like everything in his life clicked with this regression hypnosis. All these events from his childhood, he found out, were just like screen memories for encounters with the visitors, and they had been making contact, doing whatever they were doing since he was uh, 12 years old, I believe, or possibly younger. Um, and you know, some of this stuff is interesting, but it's almost like, okay, you had all these strange and odd events and just never made the connection? Like, Come on, Whitley. Uh, you know, just one, of on, the event, just one of the events he described would be like a monumental event in anyone's past that they would surely remember. And he just like starts spitting out dozens and dozens of encounters, missing time, weird anomalies throughout his life. It's like he described this one event where he was at his uh, mom's house or something taking care of her. He was reading a magazine and it all of a sudden just jumped to like the table and he had missing time. But it's like, dude, I don't I I don't know. The the whole middle of the book is just chalked full of of him putting the like connecting the dots with his life. But it's I got the vibe that he's almost like do you guys know one of those people that one of those friends who has like tons of paranormal stories that have happened to them?
1: Yeah, like, me. No, go on. Yeah, I was about to say us. No, I'm
0: actually thinking of that kid in that you knew in college. I think you were roommates with him. Like, we started talking about ghosts one night, and he had like 19 fucking crazy ghost stories that were like, dude, this all did not happen to you, yeah. you know? Like, one of those people. It's not, not just like I've had a few weird things happen, like tons and tons of stuff throughout his life.
2: Yeah, okay.
0: You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's kind of the vibe I got from from Whitley. But, um, you know, towards the end of the book, he does put forth some of his theories, which are pretty interesting. So I've mixed those in here with others that I found. Um, so let's get into some theories of what these visitors could be. Now, obviously, as we said up top, from another planet or planets, i.e. something similar to the Greys. Um, there's So this is like real nuts and bolts, we'll say mechanistic, mechanical, uh, physical aliens from somewhere in the universe traveling light years to Earth doing whatever it is that they're doing.
2: Sticking creatures up your ass needles <laughs> yeah. in your brain.
0: Now, grays are in some instances credited with creating the human race, and so they're constantly doing experiments, monitoring, probing, that sort of thing. Um, the Earth is just uh, their test tube, basically. I guess. I mean, what are we thinking of this theory? Do we think it could be, you know, mechanistic material aliens, physical aliens, traveling light years to fucking, as Billy said, probe and put these images and say, you better change. See ya. <laughs> Suck this uh, thing up your ass later.
2: <laughs> don't want this happen again. You better change shit. What are we thinking
1: there? Yeah. I I think that it's a possibility. I mean... You, who's to say that that's not that's not what's going on? I mean, I do think it's kind of ridiculous that they just suck farmers up, you know, stick something <laughs> up their ass, <laughs> and then they love the farmers you know, like just, just give them nightmares, you know, like maybe like fuck their life up a little bit, and then be yeah, like, yeah, they're just
0: per, they're just perusing farmers only,
1: yeah, to
0: find like why uh, this guy seems <laughs> interesting. Let's go check out. Like that's farmers all
1: the, only. <laughs> yeah. Like you got you got like you know. uh bumble and tit and come on you know
0: yeah let's go let's as i said let's get some prisoners up
1: there dude they might be dude start testing these prisoners
0: um so but whitley's case do we think possible do we think that grays are an actual theory like how, how much into that are you guys buying
2: it could be a possibility i'm not sure if i'm buying that that's the explanation though
0: okay Now, another, I guess, uh, mechanistic material, we'll say alien theory, is that, and this I thought was interesting. He has this in the book. So perhaps this species, uh, these visitors, whatever have you, are a type of uh, hive mind. So while they seemingly are older and much more advanced than us, they could in actuality be more primitive. Now, let me break that down. Let's see what that looks like, you know. Like, what? think about what a more primitive but seemingly advanced hive mind species would look like, you know? Perhaps you have less uh, differentiation from creature to creature, less individual awareness, less independence as a hive mind. So, as a whole, they are advanced but much more limited on an individual level. Does that make sense?
2: Okay. I mean, it makes sense, but I'm just saying I don't know if th- that's really what he was
0: trying to describe well here here's a quote from the book which i'll read um so he says i have been assuming that any visitors would be vastly more intelligent than us what if that was only part of the truth in terms of earthly evolution man emerged only very recently maybe that also means that man is not the lesser creature but the more advanced one If this was so, then older, less quick thinking and flexible forms might view us as quite a danger to them. So, I mean, what are we thinking of that? It is kind of an interesting theory to think about, like, perhaps you have this more advanced entity, but as we said, we're more of a threat because... Of our individuality. We, we are not a part of the hive mind. We aren't all connected so we can move faster. We can think faster.
1: That's very, but, th- that, that's extremely interesting. Um, it's almost like they're more primitive, evolutionary speaking or physically. But, but more
0: advanced technologically. Right. Like if they can travel here in interstellar uh, or what have you. You know, and
1: basically be—I mean—untracked, or maybe they're the UAEs. You never know.
0: <laughs> UAPs,
1: unidentified aerial. Oh yeah, <laughs> wait, <laughs> United Arab Emirates. Whoops, UAP. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, no, I—I I mean, I—I I definitely thought that was an interesting theory. Now, there's also this sort of like interdimensional. So from another aspect of space time. Um, now this is another possible theory that we've gotten into many times before. Um, turn on the old interdimensional cable. Yeah. Like perhaps this whole phenomenon is something from another dimension, you know? So possibly there's a type of interdimensional being, which is why we get like random flashes and they're able to like just appear and disappear so quickly. Um, Twilight Zone shit? I mean, is that an episode?
2: Different uh, space and dimension? Probably. Yeah,
0: but I mean, you know, it could be like, that's why we get the flashes. That's why it seems to be like buried in our our psyche, seemingly like a psychedelic experience, you know? Um, this could also was be... Was this guy doing
2: psychedelics?
0: No, he was not. But this could also be why abduction experiences or sightings... Um, and encounters like differ from person to person. Um, you know, it's almost like everyone experiences these things differently because obviously everyone has a different life story, a different perception on things
1: I mean, it can go back to like our episode in multi dimensions almost in a weird way. Um, and these beings might just exist in another dimension, and somehow maybe making their way and contacting certain people. I don't know. I think it's, just, it, it, it's just as possible as, you know, extraterrestrials. It's not any more far fetched in my opinion, I guess is the right okay,
0: way Would you it. say it's perhaps more feasible than, than interstellar travel?
1: I wouldn't say more feasible. I would just say they're, they're, they're equally, um, you know, they could equally be true or not. I don't see one as being like, oh, there's no way it could be an interdimensional being, but it could be an alien.
0: Uh, now, now Whitley also claimed that, um, in one of his interviews, another interesting point in, in, the interdimensional theory is like, perhaps these, uh, these types of entities could be seen or experienced as even more alien than, as we said, nuts and bolts aliens, because their laws of physics would be completely abnormal to us. But I'm thinking, like, if these are interdimensional beings, would they bring their laws of physics here? Or would they have to adapt to our laws? And if so, that could prove, like, why it's so, like, psychedelic and weird, you know? Like they have to adjust to our like dimension of space time. And it's just fucking like a like, weird, like psych- yeah, <laughs> yeah, It's like a weird, like, like we talk about with men in black, like using spoons, like weird. And they can't like drink shit. Right. You know, it's, it's like that sort of thing. Um, or, you know, possibly what I was thinking is like, um, similar to annihilation. Have you guys seen that? Uh, the Natalie Portman film. Have not negative. Oh come on, you guys need
1: to um,
0: come on, pick it up. Uh, but if the listeners out there have seen that, it's like these entities also on some level could project back what they're feeling or experiencing. So you have these visitors that come make contact with us through a different dimension. They're probably just as scared as you, and they pr- like if you're scared, terrified, they're going to project that back a little bit onto you. But if you're like, hey, yeah. Shove the probe on up there. Subway. Come a little, man. <laughs> yeah, It was little Maybe they'll be like really cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Hell yeah, I want you to shove that thing in my ass.
1: Yeah, like why so hostile?
0: Well, though? that's what we were saying. If it is a terrifying experience for you and these entities are projecting that back, then it's going to seem hostile, right? It's like
2: having a bad trip, basically.
0: I guess, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I
2: see what you Having a
0: saying. bad trip, that's a good way to put it. Um, you know, or possibly that's uh, like a defense mechanism for them or just something that like we don't even know about. Now, hand in hand with the interdimensional theory is this, uh, we'll call it, I guess, the tripwire. Now, Whitley, again, was talking about this on Coast to Coast. Uh, and this was put forth by John von Neumann, who's like a mathematician, physicist, computer scientist, engineer. Um Now, he said perhaps there's some sort of tripwire that has been triggered, which is the reason for the sudden uptick in, like, sightings, experiences. Uh, We talk about this a lot with, like, ever since um, humankind developed uh, atomic weapons or nuclear, like, capabilities is where we started getting a lot of these visitors, that type of shit. They always visit military bases, um, that sort of thing. Uh, Perhaps... This is in the same vein as like we talked about with Crowley and Parsons opening the gate for like cryptids, MIBs, extraterrestrials, and the whole realm of like tulpas. Now this von Neumann says like, or I think it was Whitley that said, so the government, if they came out and admitted that these were real, hey, we've been in contact with these entities, they're real beings, um, there would perhaps be enough believers, in the fact that they are real allowing them to walk through into our dimension so at some point we we hit a tripwire where this becomes more real and real more people believe in it i guess this is almost like the classic like christmas tale bullshit <laughs> you know like uh elf like you you got to have the christmas spirit to get santa sleigh off the ground you know similar thing you got to believe in the aliens for them to be able to walk through yeah. what are we thinking here well, in
2: that case, what set off this tripwire? Because you said this guy was himself a fucking UFO alien skeptic. So that doesn't really seem like he had the
0: uh, Christian spirit there. Well, yeah, but that's that's what we don't know. And I think that, well, for him, it was the regressive hypnosis. He went to that and said, holy fuck, this thing was real. But, may, I mean, his whole message seems to be like, let's take these encounters more serious. So maybe it's like... Uh, and it's like we were talking about with the UAP thing and the government coming out saying, we don't know what these are. Maybe the more people that start believing these things, the up, we're going to get another uptick in sightings, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, maybe, but I'm just wondering where they're drawing this conclusion from. Like, I mean, I think
0: it's just a theory.
1: Oh, if more people, right. Yeah, I guess. I guess like they showed, they showed themselves to him Once and then they just kept showing themselves to him because maybe he became a believer. Oh, yeah. I guess I... Like, subconsciously, in a way, so they, like, they just kept kept feeding off that.
0: Yeah, I never really thought about it that way, but that kind of does poke a hole in what you were just saying. If he became a believer, then he's going to have more and more experiences. But, I mean, I've been trying to get abducted and try as I might. I still haven't. (laughs) Staying up till (laughs) 2 a.m. every night. (laughs) I'm waking up at 2 a.m.
1: Maybe um, one day <laughs> now
0: also if this tripwire interdimensional thing was the case um again would this just would this be just as if not more alien than the nuts and bolts mechanistic aliens coming to us from another galaxy uh you know this is perhaps something from our own mind or consciousness or perhaps the collective unconscious is uh like a sort of portal for whatever this is uh you know I mean think about uh how much about the mind and consciousness we don't know
1: yeah that that's it's pretty crazy to think how much we don't know about our own anatomy and like we know more about space than we do our deep oceans so like now is you know, that actually true that one in itself is crazy i'm pretty sure yeah because okay. we, we don't have the capability technology wise to like get to like the deepest deepest parts of like the Marianas trench, I believe Right. we, we might have to fact check that, but I'm that's what they sure. want you to think <laughs> now. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: now to me, the, this sort of interdimensional, like mind consciousness thing, this to me seems like one of the strongest theories, not necessarily the tripwire, uh, but the interdimensional stuff because science does, I mean, it's, as you said, we know a ton about space, uh, and we do, in fact, know that interstellar travel would take thousands of years. Uh, you know, as far as we know, light speed is not possible. Um, but as so we far. yeah, but as we've discussed on a few episodes before, uh, science has a pretty good theory on the existence of other dimensions. Now, given that, mixed with the power um, and our current understanding of the mind, consciousness, inner space, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this to me is something that's completely believable. Um, You know, this explains why it's so closely linked to hypnagogia, um, why it's so psychedelic, why we don't fully understand what's going on. Uh, I feel like it kind of checks all the boxes for this. No? Certainly
2: does. Are you saying this is the uh, theory you buy most into? I
0: think for me, yes. Just because of the whole mind and consciousness. I mean, the mind is a powerful thing. Isn't that what they say?
1: Mind's a terrible thing. That is very rights. true. <laughs> now, the mind is extremely powerful.
0: Um, but I don't know. Are you guys not buying the interdimensional? Con- like, some, this is something connected to our consciousness.
2: Well, I'm saying, are you saying the tripwire is what you believe in? The no, most? I just
0: said the tripwire is not necessarily the tripwire, just the interdimensional in general. Okay. Now another theory we've got on here would be uh, time travel. You know, perhaps these beings are from our dimension in space, but not in time. Now, in his later book, *Solving the Communion Enigma*, Whitley reflects on how advances in scientific understanding since 1987 may shed light on what he perceived, saying, "Quote: Since I wrote
2: *Communion*, science has determined that parallel universes may be physically real." And that time travel may in some ways be possible.
0: Now, one of his theories in communion is that, uh, let's say there was a way to sort of convert a human into an energy field, say like light or radio waves. Um, You could then send these devices into the cosmos uh, and these could sort of act as a portal. You beam this energy field version of yourself somewhere, almost like an avatar and when you come back, it, it was light years away. So, you know, you'd be way in the future.
1: In the future? Would you be way in the future? How, like, how? I'm not following that.
0: It's. I think it's kind of like uh, Interstellar, which I don't really fully understand the film. Um, but you know how he, like, goes into the fucking black hole and comes out and he, like, meets up with his daughter who's, like, an old fucking lady? Yeah. Some shit like that.
2: This little maneuver is going to cost us 50 years.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe okay. you're beaming yourself out into this energy field uh, and you're just like an avatar. But then when you come back or wherever you step out, maybe you're like years in the future. or Maybe you're like off base, like, you know, in Star Trek when they like get beamed into the wrong fucking, uh, yeah, the wrong time.
2: I get it. But for this particular scenario, it just seems to not fit really, because this guy's saying that he's had these encounters multiple times. So that theory doesn't really hold up because if you're saying it, it goes off into the wherever and then comes back, someone was doing that multiple times. And every time it just happened to fucking interact with him. True.
0: Yeah. So maybe it's not a mistake, but maybe, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) We're going (laughs) to fuck with this guy. (laughs) Like, Yeah, maybe it's not necessarily a mistake. Like, maybe this is a way for, like, time travel to sort of be possible. Because remember on our time travel one where we talked about different theories for time travel? And one of them was, like, if you went back, it would be... Like, let's say you go back in time and you pick a point and you went back to, like, you know, 1860, let's say. Okay. Um, And it would be, like... Like a surreal, it would be like a dream state to you because you're not from that time and you're this like weird thing that's, uh, I don't know, sort of in like a dream. Like, would all sort of like
2: a minion in blue coveralls? (laughs) Little
0: would not necessarily that your physical form changed, but would you be like one of these weird entities to those people? Like, would they see you as just some random like flash of light that's there and then gone? I don't think so. I mean. You think it would be like straight up Marty McFly? You're fucking <laughs> I fucking literally just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: When he goes back and he's just d- different from everyone, you know?
0: All right. So we're throwing this Calvin one out. Klein. Okay. So we're throwing this one Calvin out. Calvin Klein. Time travel not possible. We think it would be more like Back to the Future. Whoa,
2: whoa. I'm saying time. I
0: believe time travel could be possible, but for this situation. Not time travel. I don't think it's time okay, travel. Okay. Okay. Um, and also, if we're going off this time travel theory, like why would these things make contact and remain hidden for so long? Uh, Stephen
2: King hired him to der- derail this guy. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, perhaps, how about this, gentlemen? Perhaps these beings uh, made contact well into our future with us and sort of like permeated themselves into our pre existing past. That is too much. Well, come on. Think about that. Let's think about that for a second. Perhaps, let's just break that down. Yeah, let's just break this down. <laughs> so we d- make contact, like shake hands with these things. We're having a diplomatic meeting with these entities way off in the future, and they've somehow like permeated themselves into our past. Um, this is where we get like, I guess, the ancient alien stuff, the mythology, religion, like they've kind of interwoven themselves through that to be like they were always here. It's kind of a mind fuck, no?
1: Yes. Yeah, it, it, incredibly. <laughs>
0: okay. Or and then last one on time travel, um cuz I was thinking, I'm reading into these theories and I'm thinking maybe time itself is experienced differently for these entities. So this is sort of similar to the movie Arrival if you've seen that. Oh, that's a great movie. Uh now perhaps like sightings will die out in our future um, and this is why our past is riddled with a uh, powerful imagery of religion and gods and that sort of stuff. Maybe their time is moving the other direction. Like Benjamin Button? <laughs> perhaps. Like maybe these things are contacting us in what's the future to them, but it's going to seem like nothing to us because they were here in our past already, which is their future. It's flipped.
2: That's just another mind. Point.
0: <laughs> that is another yeah. mind, look. but that's good to think about, right?
2: But how would the how would the timelines like cross
0: paths like that? Rob, I don't know. I can't explain it. I'm just I'm just spitballing theories. Here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the timeline seems it seems one way to us, but it could be completely different to these entities.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're wearing blue coveralls, running around, fucking. Sticking stuff up people's asses. <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
0: that's not to say that this guy's case is the only encounter with these things. Maybe that's just how he experienced it.
1: <laughs> so uh, <the> other, <laughs> That's a <laughs> shitty way to experience it. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Just, we just need to do it this one time just for shits and giggles.
0: Well, no, not even that. Maybe it could be that, um, let's say, Moses in the burning bush was an experience with these entities. Um, and that's how Moses experienced it in his time.
1: That's interesting, actually. Because if you, you can look at like any, I mean, religion in general, like. Maybe he was in
2: his own bush, you know what I'm saying? Come on, don't cut him off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, like all, like uh, religions in general, I mean, like all the stuff happened thousands of years ago and it was like written down and translated into multiple languages but it was it was all stuff that happened so long ago and maybe it's all the same stuff
0: and let's let's just think about that for a second let's dwell on that so what do we know let's boil religion down to something simple let's joe rogan um reduce religion to what do we know about religions it's Some type of powerful entity, omnipresent being that comes down contact with humans. Sometimes they have sex with them. They give them some type of knowledge or power and they say they're going to be back and i've been back <laughs> that, i mean <laughs> that have that ha- if we boil religion down to like those simple things it could be just like we were saying maybe that's what these people way back when experienced these people ran. and then Come up <laughs> I mean, these people <laughs> um but you know um these ancient people experienced it like that they interpret it as this it becomes some powerful thing and today he interprets it at these little fucking sci-fi robot alien things, because maybe that's like what that's his being. That's his way of interpreting it.
1: You know? Maybe yeah. But we, back then maybe the like Egyptian ancient Egyptians saw the same things and they were like, Oh, that's the sun God.
0: Yeah. They didn't have fucking sci-fi movies at the drive-in theater, you know, to kind of put this thing into that lens. Pretty interesting to think about. Um, Now, another one that Whitley puts forward in the book is the side effect theory, we'll call it. Um, So this could be, uh, he says, maybe a side effect of natural or man-made phenomenon. Um, You know, uh, perhaps magnetism or all these waves that we constantly beam into our head are opening something within our minds. I mean, think about the effects of uh, computers, cell phones, AirPods, 5G uh, this stuff has been around for not that long. Maybe we don't know how this is affecting us. This is something that we don't understand yet. Turning the frogs. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what are we thinking there? Side effect theory.
1: Shoot. I mean, if you stand, put, have your head next to the microwave too long, apparently it's supposed to give you cancer. Apparently, all of our cell phones are transmitting all these waves, or I don't, I don't know what the technical term for for them are, but I mean, who knows, man technology is pretty crazy
2: well i was saying 1987 there's yes there's microwaves there's tvs but not as many screens as today
0: yeah i know but maybe that's when i
2: was just first cracking it open
0: you're saying yeah maybe maybe this opens some sort of portal and like we said everyone's
2: different it's still just too weird to me everyone's different
0: don't deny that rob
2: i'm not i'm not denying that (laughs) Okay. I'm just It is a
1: very out there theory though. I'll, I'm just saying
2: that's like uh, I think if that happens some crazier shit than like little fucking minions guys running around picking you up naked in the middle of the night to take you to the forest, shoot you up in the sky and fucking stick a needle in your head and a fucking dildo up your ass. <laughs> I feel like it would be something <laughs> Well, what do you something think it more would be? Than that.
0: What do you think it would be, Mr. Side Effect?
2: I don't know. Like, some fucking crazy aliens come try and take over the world or something.
0: Okay, so you're going hostile.
2: Maybe not take over the world, but, like, actually make a, like, there's no, as far as, as far as I am aware, there's no contact, like, where they actually speak with him and, like, tell him information they're just basically like doing an experiment on him correct
0: well they put these weird don't images. they do yeah i think they say like you know well, they, they talk to yeah him. they talk to him and say like everything's gonna be okay and this sort of thing was it bob marley talking to him we, how do we stop uh how do we stop you from screaming remember he asked him that okay yeah but that I slapped him like Tim Curry and Clue and said I had to stop him from screaming.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he just put his hand on his face and he said it smelled it's like cinnamon. Stress, you know?
2: yeah, yeah. Fuck it, it's probably some bum, some alien bum. This guy's tripping balls. Says the guy smells like cinnamon and cardboard. <laughs>
0: okay, okay, all right,
2: um, all right. So side effect theory probably out. That's out the window for me, but all right, you never know. Um, Everyone's different, as they say.
0: Okay, now this one I this one is very interesting, so this is how they end the movie and uh, he he talks about this one in the book. Uh, we'll call this one the larvae theory. Um, so perhaps these entities could be an aspect of the human species that has to do with death. Um, basically, think of it this way. think of a caterpillar. what does a caterpillar do? goes in its cocoon and becomes a butterfly. Now does the butterfly? have the memories of being a caterpillar is it a would, whole
2: new self it's reborn right you would think it does though oh
0: well, it's the I same being i don't think so i think science says it might
1: otherwise. not have that yeah i think it might not have that cognitive ability and a
0: butterfly might be completely alien to the caterpillar so perhaps we people humans are some sort some sort of some form of larvae and these entities are a higher form of ourselves. What are we always talking about? Getting to a higher consciousness. Well,
2: this, that kind of relates back to what you were saying before, right?
0: Of what? Interdimensional.
2: Yeah. A Where little. It's like they're they're picking up on the energies that you're putting out, basically. So, like, mm. if you're having like like all these crazy thoughts or whatever, you're gonna have a bad experience. But if you're like very positive uplifting then it's gonna be like a positive experience for you. Kind of the same or like similar vein there or no? Maybe. I mean think of like a Well if it's I'm just saying if it's like your higher self.
0: Well think like a higher conscious like a butterfly version of humans would be completely alien to us, but at the same time it would have these little similarities. This could explain how these entities, these visitors know so much about us, can tap into our psyche, um, you know. Also, this idea of like an afterlife is a very ancient idea in the grand scheme of the human race. Uh, You know, maybe there is some sort of afterlife, just not in a traditional sense. You know, think about enlightenment, nirvana, reincarnation. These could all be parts of this bigger picture.
1: No, that's that's super interesting, actually, like these like alien beings or beings, whatever you want to call them are just higher, like, a more advanced, like, evolution of the human species. And and it might, it would even be more interesting if they, like, you know, reveal themselves to our ancient, uh, you know, f- our ancestors at the time, and then uh, they turned themselves into gods to our ancestors, and that, in, you know, kind of seeped into what turned into f- religion. But they're just... A, a more advanced evolution of what we are. Yeah. That's why it's like, That's it's like wild. we were
0: saying with the fairy folklore and stuff, you know, these things are interpreted as different things in different times throughout humanity. Um, now I was looking a little more into this, uh, theory. I found this interesting post on Reddit. This is from, uh, user short bus door gunner. Um, so he's reliable source. <laughs> yeah, so he says, Now, just listen to this just hear me out here he says i was tripping while camping many years ago and watched moths beat themselves senseless to get into the coleman lantern only to be destroyed if successful of course i've always wondered since then if the proverbial light would have the same effect on us perhaps the light is an interdimensional bug zapper and as our souls are zipping around, the ether are trapped into whatever has harnessed this light. So, you know how people describe seeing a light as they're dying? True. Think about that as like your soul goes somewhere, if you subscribe to that theory, and perhaps it's, it's not what it's made out to be. Maybe it's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> like Admiral Agbar said. <laughs> it's a fucking trap for our souls in this fucking bug zapper. And, and the real question is, what's harnessing this light to trap our souls?
1: I, but how is that tying into the to the beings?
0: So because, like, let's say, if you don't get trapped into the light, your soul becomes some sort of uh, higher intelligence of yourself. This is reaching nirvana, um, like they say, or... Uh, some higher form of consciousness. You know how they say you got to let go of like material things. You have to uh, fully have knowledge of self to be elevated to this higher consciousness. Now that's looking at it through a, a religious lens. But if we maybe look at it through this theory.
2: Well, it doesn't always have to be necessarily religious.
0: Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If, if it's possibly that your soul goes somewhere at, in the afterlife, and maybe it doesn't get zapped by this light or whatever's harnessing this light, you'll be this higher entity that could possibly make contact, um, like some interstellar shit again. You're in the fucking bookshelf.
1: That's crazy. So Whitley was gonna die, but he got the light. So so the the window, the door opened to this. Well, no, I don't think the
0: the light as a trap was just an interesting uh, theory I came across on Reddit. But I was saying, like, if we're relating it to Whitley's experiences, these entities are some higher form of human consciousness. They're the butterflies to our caterpillars um, that were making contact with him. And as we said, it's going to be completely alien. He doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about.
1: Right. Okay.
0: But yeah, I mean, those are... Some of the theories he puts forth in the book now. So let's get into his life post-communion because with the success of communion, um, Whitley basically pivots his career into the paranormal. As we said, you know, he wrote another memoir about the visitors uh, and he has essentially only focused on that. I think he's written 11 books in total, I believe, about these visitors, these um, experiences, whatever's going on with him, and sales of his novels started to slip. Uh, he began to fade into the fringes of society and cultural ostracization. Uh, he refers to it in interviews as being placed in the ghetto. He says we need to de ghettoize UFOs and abductee experiences. Um, and he also goes on to claim he also goes on to claim that in 1989, some people invaded his house in upstate New York and put an implant in his ear using a means that is not known as there was no scar. He also said his ear would periodically light up red and that when a doctor tried to remove it, the damn thing moved. The Uh, damn thing moved. (laughs) The damn thing moved. He says this is some type of biomechanical device. Uh, He talks a lot about this on coast to coast, uh, becomes a big implant type
2: guy. Love Um, those implants.
0: Now, by the late 90s, uh, Whitley was known as the guy who was supposed to be the next Stephen King, but let his obsession with the paranormal completely derail his horror writing career and his reputation or ability to be taken seriously. But, as we said, he did become a massive figure in the UFO culture, and maybe that was his plan all along, you know? It's also not like he even totally destroyed his career because... He and Art Bell, as we said, co-wrote a book on climate change called The Coming Global Superstorm, and Hollywood adapted that into The Day After Tomorrow, which made over a half a billion dollars at the box office. No big deal. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much of that money Whitley actually saw. Um, and for the basis of the book, he also claimed that this mysterious guy walked into his hotel room and just laid out facts about global warming and how it would produce sudden catastrophic climate change, just like in the film and bada bing, bada boom, this became the basis for the book. Uh, so take that however you want it. Like, I don't know if that's true. Um, but it was successful nonetheless,
2: you know? Just some guy just walked into his hotel. Room. Yeah, just some mysterious and he was guy. like, oh,
0: what's up, bro? Well, he said he was freaked
2: out at <laughs> first. Let me tell you a thing or two about climate change, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> and he's just like, okay. Paul lay Mason it on Scott. me, bud.
0: Well, he said he thought it was like a crazed fan at first because this guy just walked beelined into his hotel room and, uh, here to knock at the door, open the door. This guy just walks right in, goes to the back of the room, turns around, and just boom starts. He thought, like, "Holy shit, I'm about to die!" As a crazy fan. Then he starts laying out all these, uh, facts and then bada bing, bada boom. He writes the book.
1: (laughs) Oh no, man. This guy sounded more like our friend that, that like has way too many ghost stories. Like it goes from like, goes from communion to, Oh wait, these people broke into my apartment and put this mechanical thing in my ear that moves. And now this guy walked into my room, you know,
0: but he spun that into a successful Hollywood film. I mean, half a billion dollars is no joke.
1: I know. That's what I'm saying. So <laughs> the more I'm hearing about, you know, that's just a trickle down effect here, I guess. I don't know.
0: Now, he did also write, um, and this is what I was talking about earlier, uh, Billy. Uh, he wrote a very interesting book. Uh, this one is called Supernatural colon, A New Vision of the Unexplained. Now, he wrote this book with Jeffrey Kripal, who's a professor of comparative religion uh, philosophy And specifically, this guy examines the building blocks of religions or the important, seemingly supernatural events that make up religions. Like we'd said, Moses with the burning bush, uh, the events at Mount Sinai, the rise of temple worship in Hinduism, uh, the Hira Cave atop the Mountain of Light for Islam, uh, these uh, mystical encounters with light, fire, power, uh, communications with God. This is specifically what this guy looks at, um, because he says that a lot of these events are presumed to have actually happened. What they are is another story. And you can look at all of the, uh, these events that were put together to form major world religions that have essentially shaped human history. Um, and he sort of unpacks Whitley's experiences in this context. Uh, very interesting. I've been listening to the audio book as I've been uh, going to sleep, and no, we're going to have nightmares. <laughs> I, no, I know <laughs> what you guys are saying. This is this is just like Ancient Aliens. It, it's actually not like Ancient Aliens. In fact, uh, he talks about how Ancient Aliens is a reductive comparison because they look at all ancient events through the lens of modern aliens. When in reality, it needs to be more case by case because possibly only a handful of these events actually fit into this category. And he ac- he has this, um, in one of the chapters, he writes this in- interesting analogy, which is kind of, I guess, in line with the larvae theory. I'll try to explain it as best I can. It's essentially like, so think about your brain and then human consciousness, We always talk about collective unconscious. There's some sort of connection between humans. We talked about this on our morphic resonance episode. Um, And it's like, this is what John Lilly was trying to tap into with sensory deprivation. Like there's some sort of net connecting everyone's conscious. Um, So think about your brain as a computer and consciousness is like the worldwide web. If the computer's destroyed, the world wide web doesn't like the internet doesn't go anywhere. The internet doesn't die. It's still there. Um, and he, he perhaps relates this to your
2: browser history.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, so exactly. That could be possibly like the soul, like maybe the cloud or something like, you know, it's still going to go up to where, whatever this consciousness is. And this could be that higher form of ourself, whatever we're talking about. I, I don't know. I don't really, Again, I don't think I fully understand that one, but I think I, I thought that was very interesting. I never really thought about it like that. What do you guys think? I think
2: the theory is interesting. Not sure if I really buy into that uh, whole collective consciousness thing.
0: Collective unconscious. Whatever. Okay. So you... So, so, you think everyone is just sort of their own thing. You know, your, your brain, your thoughts, your consciousness, where is that? It's all in your brain. You're a, me- you're a mechanistic material guy. I am. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, now see, that's the problem with you. Mechanistic material guys.
2: I am a material girl and I'm living in a material <laughs> world.
0: Okay. All right. So you're not buying that one.
2: Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to like disprove it or anything. I'm just saying personally, but it is,
0: it does make sense, right? It It, is an interesting, um,
2: it doesn't make sense to me, but maybe that's why I'm unsure about it.
0: Okay. All right.
2: I mean the like theory itself. Yes, I can understand that, but I'm saying like, it's just a little far fetched to me to believe that if you like pass on, you're just like bloop up to the fucking, like cloud or whatever you want to call it.
0: Well, yeah, but I think that's the whole thing is we don't know what happens, but there is something. Nobody knows. Do you think there is something after death or it is like you destroy the computer, it's dead forever? Your brain is... You
2: know, the more that I like research and look into it, the more that I'm starting to subscribe to the idea of... It's like I think whatever you whatever kind of like energies you're putting out in this life can like carry on to either the next life or the afterlife, whichever it is that might happen.
0: So you do think there's an afterlife
2: or maybe you just get fucking reincarnated into something else. Like you're fucking shitty in this life and next thing you're a cockroach, you know?
0: Okay. So then, but that would still be technically an afterlife. That's cyclical. Possibly. You're the whole time is a flat circle. Um, (laughs) Russ Cole, we're doing this again and again. (laughs) How many times I've been in that room? Those kids. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, I guess I, I, so I was listening to some of these old coast to coast episodes, you know, from like 95, 97. Um, Now in one of them, there is a promotion for a new VHS from Whitley called Pure Balance Colon Touch the Unknown. Now, if you can find where to watch this, let me know. I searched everywhere. I couldn't find it. Uh, I think it's been kind of scrubbed from the internet. Um, This guy, uh, this other guy on um, the Coast to Coast subreddit, the postal dude, was saying that he actually personally reached out to Whitley about this, and he only replied with no. (laughs) So maybe this is something he wants to forget about. Uh, I think this thing definitely raises some skeptical eyebrows because it's marketed as a meditation technique to be abducted or encounter these entities or to get them to stop, which is a mindfuck. I guess he's billing it as like, Hey, I will teach you how to meditate and get abducted by these entities. Or if you're already being contacted, this will teach you how to stop. Um, now I looked into this because, from what I could gather, it seems to be all about um, Gurdjieff's Fourth Way meditations, which I guess Whitley was a big proponent of. The Gurdjieff Foundation, which is um, this like uh, meditation type stuff. I don't, I don't really know what it is like spirituality shit. You know, um, a lot of crystals involved. <laughs> yeah, probably a lot of crystals. Um, Whitley Yoga says. Mats. Yeah, Whitley says, even in the communion days, that he was really involved with the Gurdjieff Foundation. Um, And I guess they have all these meditation techniques, which are essentially around extreme focus into oneself. Uh, You know, it's all about mindfulness and concentration. You have to discarding your conditioned learning, finding the deep silence within yourself and contemplation without perception or being in pure presence. Uh, It's all about letting go of your ego, your I, me, mine, meanings, and personal views of your functioning. Uh, And this is what I was saying I was basically trying to do with the Mental Clarity uh, Gonsfield experiments. I would basically do this after reading chapters of the book. And as I said, sadly, I did not get abducted, uh, but I did freak myself out a good deal uh, because you know when you do these Gonsfield experiments and you're um it's a form of sensory deprivation, so your mind is is creating images, I saw um of v- like the first time I did it, put a timer on for thirty minutes, and I saw a very vivid image of the Bobby Kennedy assassination, like I was listening to this podcast years ago. this is years ago about. Maybe we do an episode on his assassination because there's a lot of weird shit with like Sirhan Sirhan being an MK Ultra agent and there's a lady with a polka dot dress. But I kept seeing the image of this lady in a polka dot dress like running off with the gun after uh, Bobby Kennedy was shot, which is fucking weird. Then I do it again and I see this uh, image of like an old English guy like Churchill or something like yelling in a in like a study. Very fucking weird. Very odd. Like an episode of Clue almost. Yeah, exactly. Like Colonel Mustard. Um, <laughs> in the study. In the study. What weapon did he have? He had the probe. The alien probe. No, it. it I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I was trying to get abducted. I didn't get abducted. So it's probably some fucking bogus. But I don't know. What do you think about him kind of selling this like maybe snake oil or VHS?
2: Sounds like a money grab. Okay. so But I so, mean, the okay. guy's are already making bank apparently.
0: Well, I don't think that's the case.
2: Um, guys, his fucking net worth is twenty six mil, my guy.
0: Now okay, so let's get into that for the conclusions of this one because most people seem to be, I guess, torn on this guy, you know. It's it's quite possible that Whitley Stryber is insane. <laughs> uh, it's also quite possible that he's a successful con man.
2: Maybe he's both.
0: Uh, yeah. Or you know, you have a fiction writer whose sales were slipping. Uh, so as we said, he finds a new creative way to stand out with his work. Uh, perhaps maybe he had a genuine encounter, uh, and it was so successful that he just leaned into this persona, uh, you know, or he could have had a genuine encounter and just made up a bunch of shit. These, these, aren't mutually exclusive. It could be all of the above. Um, but I was thinking if we, if we simplify what Whitley did um l ron hubbard kind of did the same thing you know he starts out as a sci-fi writer his sales slip he creates this persona around himself he writes dianetics which becomes the basis for scientology um and scientology's beliefs are essentially aliens have trapped our souls on planet earth and by elevating your consciousness you can escape have you ever talked to those people uh, well, I tried to sign uh bag up for being an auditor, but they didn't respond.
2: Or maybe that's what happened to
1: him. What? He got abducted out of Scientology. <laughs> yeah. That's why he hasn't been talking to
0: That's him. why he hasn't been on. Um, I, I don't know. What I do think
1: it, yeah, I think it's that's compl- uh very probable
0: okay. scenario. That he kind of took the L. Ron Hubbard approach, maybe?
1: Well, you, well I mean, because the, the biggest thing is the he just kept coming out with more and more experiences and, Oh, like they've been contacting me since I was 12. And then after it, he, you know, all, it was just kind of all this. And then he created this thing about how to get abducted and how to meditate. And it just, I don't know when, when, when someone kind of seems to start like capitalizing off that, you got to say maybe something did happen to him and he's just like kind of riding the wave or it was planned out from the very beginning.
0: Okay. And yeah, I, I think the major difference with the L Ron Hubbard shit is that Whitley is, he's not, I guess saying he's like a guru on aliens. You know, he's, he's saying he doesn't know what this is. He does, he does have a strong feeling that it was something to do with the afterlife or a higher form of our own being. Um, but and that almost also,
1: increases its, its mysticism. Sorry to interrupt you, but I just had to point that out.
0: The fact in, that, like, he's
1: saying he he's doesn't saying, I know I what know. it yeah. is. He's like, just, oh, I do, it was so creepy and weird, but I don't know what it is.
0: Yeah. So he's essentially just, um, I guess, inflating the mystery around
1: it. Right. Creating in- intrigue. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because he does also claim that he's been in contact with his deceased wife and they had planned this out before she passed. Um, and he claim his claims have obviously gotten more bizarre throughout the years. Um, but I think with communion, there is something there. I don't know if it's necessarily fully truthful, but, um, to close out the book, he goes on about like the significance of triangles and three throughout human history and religion, Uh, pyramids across cultures. A lot of abductees are left with weird triangular marks or scars. Uh, He's kind of obsessed with triangles and Alistair Crowley was also obsessed with triangles. Um, Now that's what he says. These entities seem to arrive always in threes. There's the aspect of body, mind and soul, the Holy Trinity, all of this stuff he thinks has something to do with whatever's going on. Um, Now, That brings me to our exercise, gentlemen. Let me see the shapes that you guys drew. Okay, both circles. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Now, I guess there's not three of us here that did that, but Whitley says that uh, I think 30% of people when asked to draw a random shape will always draw a triangle, and they don't know why this is. Uh, but I guess it's only fifty-fifty, and we got circles here. What did you draw? Well, weird uh, thing
1: is, I was actually thinking about drawing a triangle, but I suddenly you know. drew a circle. So maybe the aliens were like, Yo, maybe, maybe hold on."
0: Um, what did you listeners draw? Um, <laughs> now, um, so there's also he says a possible, possibly some deep connection to owls uh, or the goddess Estar um who is like this ancient goddess uh like owl type entity or i guess looked like an owl um which that's kind of interesting um but his main message with communion seems to be that we just need to take a deeper look here and not ostracize or ridicule these types of encounters also is like saving the planet climate change is another big message he has um and, and he also, it's kind of like the waters have been so muddied with this stuff that it seemingly has become impossible to unravel this phenomena Because, you know, you, it's like we said, you do have genuine encounters, you have fakers, you've got the government possibly knowing more than they let on, uh, the government is also possibly providing disinfo which essentially Possibly, discredits, huh? yeah. Which essentially discredits any encounter, genuine or not, and it's all just become a massive clusterfuck. Um, and you know, perhaps Whitley is just a brilliant writer um, because he has the ability to paint these vivid scenes of abduction and fear, and pulls the reader into the room with him as he's examining himself and his life throughout the novel, though there is something deeply sincere and humane wrapped up in all of this. Um, You know, there's moments in the book where the reader, or at least I could absolutely relate to about like relationships, family, insecurities, emotions that we all face at one point or another. And this is all wrapped up in whatever he was experiencing, Um, which to me points more to the theory that this is all something to do with our own consciousness or fields of the mind, so to speak. Um, you know, now, conclusions, like, what do you guys think about? About Whitley, about what we just examined, about about everything, just to kind of wrap this one up.
1: I, I really liked that part earlier when you said that Whitley, you know, thinks that these encounters should not be ostracized, or you know, people shouldn't be written off for these things. And I'd agree with that. And I think you know, generally in the scientific community, specifically surrounding extraterrestrial, you know, the possibility of extraterrestrial life, it's almost like this this weird, for lack of a better term, alien. Uh, concept that they're just like they, they they if you're a scientist and you're out there claiming you know that you that you're open to the possibility it's like you're ostracized from the scientific community and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of ridiculous because the whole point of science is to be able to let go of those preconceptions of what is reality because you're a scientist and you're trying to figure out what that is therefore yeah. you need to be open minded so I think like
0: it goes against
1: about. the whole principle of science itself. In my opinion, Um, and it creates a hive mind, and it gets very political. Um, So I think uh, that if if if, you know, I don't know if Whitley is telling the truth. I think there may be some truth to him, but I think through through his story, if that makes people, you know, kind of want to question that, that's a good thing, especially in the scientific community.
2: Uh, Just piggybacking off of what Billy just said, I definitely agree that, you know, there's gotta be some truth in all these different claims, whether it's the specific one we're talking about tonight or any other type of abduction story. Obviously, like you said before, there's going to be people out there that are just full of shit. Um, I would say as far as this one goes, it's just seems a little, um, Like if it was just the initial contact where he saw the little guys and they took him into the woods and stuff, I think I'd be a little less skeptical of it, but it's like
0: novel after novel. To me, it just like he just
2: keeps like milking the cow. And it's like maybe something did happen, whether that was alien or his mind playing tricks on him, and then he kinda just like Let it snowball after that, I think.
0: Okay, so like we were saying up top.
2: But I also, just going back to what I said earlier, I definitely think that when you're putting yourself under so much stress and pressure and whatever, you know, what's going on in your work life, what's going on in your personal life, and all that kind of compounds into maybe some weird, fucking dream that you have or you are in a s- weird state of sleep paralysis or whatever. I think that maybe what tipped it off and then he kind of just let his creativity take over from there and kind of embellished a little bit. Maybe is yeah. what I, th- that's just my take on it.
0: Yeah. And it is like, um going back to what uh, Bill was saying with the whole, uh, like let's not ostracize these people and that type of shit. It is kind of a double edged sword because I guess I kind of think of the abductee thing is the similar vein as like the me too stuff. Yeah. Whereas like if you, if you just straight out believe everyone, of course there's going to be people that want to capitalize off of that. Yep. Um So you kind of got to take, I don't know, you kind of need to examine case by case and kind of like, as we've done here, kind of jump into it and and see what's going on, what the real uh, what's the fucking jelly in the donuts, you know Um, now now I'll end this one uh, with a quote from Whitley himself when talking about the phenomenon as a whole he says quote, I think it's all folklore it's something that people don't understand and they generate stories about it what I'm interested in Is the something that's there? What's behind them? And there you have it. Loyal Legion, Whitley Strieber. Uh, You know, dive into this. Order the book. uh, Take a look for yourself. Let us know what you guys think. Is this guy a genuine abductee, contactee, or is he a con man that's full of shit? Uh, You know, let us know what you guys think. Um, And on that one
2: loyal legion as always thank you for tuning in with us um we did launch uh quite a bit of new merchandise if you go to the website podcast from outer there's a couple links you can check out there if you want to slide into those dms hit us up on instagram podcast from outer space maybe you want to hear uh you got a good idea for us to cover next whatever that may be just want to say what's up and uh if you're still using the old email podcast from outer space at gmail.com you can reach us there as well and that's it for me thanks again guys
1: and also uh this is the korean cowboy over here just uh giving a shout out i got a, a musical project as well um called shot comma chaser shot chaser you can find us on spotify apple music we're actually about to drop a new song called whimsical um it's kind of this like synth wave like eighties pop uh jangle mangle of of sound. But uh uh please check it out if you like it, you know. Um give us give us some streams, give us some follows, and of course, podcast from outer space. This was an awesome discussion, as usual. It always gets my, my brain just the cogs rolling, cause my skeptical self is usually just like, this guy's full of shit. But at the same time, you know, I'm trying to Trying to focus on giving people the benefit of the doubt, because that's a big problem nowadays. But anyways, thanks, y'all, for listening.
0: And yeah, on this one, I want to cite Communion, a true story by Whitley Strieber, uh, which is 10 bucks on Amazon if you guys want to read it. Um, also, Gen Medium, gen.medium.com. He was supposed to be the next Stephen King. Then the aliens came by Drew Millard. And of course, old episodes of Coast to Coast AM, which uh, I don't know if, um, I don't know. I found this site that compiled all their old broadcasts, but uh, DM me if you want the link to it. Some of them are pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, and that, like Rob said, guys, we just dropped a whole bunch of new merch. Um, so head on over to the website um, and you can pick up some of our new stuff. And you can also find the link to our super secret merch website there um and yeah like i said shoot us some interesting ideas uh cop some of the new merch for summer we got a bunch of designs up there uh they've been doing pretty well and on that one we are signing off we will see you again this side or the other